0: In the name of Jesus, dear friends in Christ, are we ready? Well, I think we survived Black Friday, right? I don't know how many of us got up at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning on Black Friday, the official start of the Christmas shopping season. I know I wasn't up that early, but I mean, I think a lot of us were out probably shopping sometime on Friday. Or maybe we were on Thursday because a lot of the stores are open on Thanksgiving. I even saw on the news where there were people in some areas camped out three nights ahead starting Tuesday night outside their favorite electronic stores to be the first one in to get those great electronic toys and gadgets. And I caught a little bit of the news yesterday. We see this each year where you get some of these sensationalized but sadly real video clips too of some I guess rather rude uh, antisocial behavior on the part of some people. Uh, where when the doors open, people will actually try to stampede or trample their fellow man. Or as two, women's, I, two women, I guess, had a fistfight in a Walmart in Texas over a Barbie doll. Uh, yes, the, the Christmas season is underway. But yet today we begin a more important season. Actually, it's the start of a new church year in our church year. And it's the season of Advent. It's where we as Christians, again, prepare to celebrate again the birth of Of the Babe of Bethlehem. And even though the Christmas merchandise has been out in some stores since August, and some radio stations have been playing the Christmas music since October, many of us have our Christmas lights up already, some of us don't. Uh, But today, Advent, we start uh, officially to prepare our hearts again for the coming of the Lord. And the word Advent comes from two Latin words which means to come to. And the celebration of Advent as a season in the church year can go back about as far as at least the 4th century France A.D. And as Christians today, we're called to prepare for the two comings of the Lord, the two Advents over the next four weeks, between now and Christmas. Yes, that first coming of the Lord. God was faithful when he sent his Son, the first time over 2,000 years ago, our Savior, born in the most humble of origins in a manger in Bethlehem. But also we're called to focus on and get ready for and prepare for when he will come again because we don't know the day we don't know the hour but the Lord will come again and are we ready whether the world is ready or not he will come the clock is ticking and today we begin a new three-week sermon series entitled world clock where we look at time and how time is marching on very quickly and we're called to be ready and we're called to prepare for the coming of the Lord. I think increasingly, in our busy times in society, our overscheduled lives, isn 't time becoming one of the most precious commodities i don 't know about you, but there 's many a day. If I could have my choice to be more time or more money or more possessions or more about anything else, I think I would take more time and it 's been said that a surefire way to get a general sense of one 's age this time of the year is the following: If you look out over the next four weeks of advent leading up to Christmas and it's going to seem like an eternity it's going to seem like four months it's never going to get there you're agonizingly counting it minute by minute you're probably a child or the younger end end of the age spectrum if on the other hand we look out and we say i need 14 weeks the next four weeks are going to go by like four days then we may be more on the older or the adult end of the age spectrum. Because time, this time of the year, during this season can be very relative. And Albert Einstein talked a lot about relativity, his theory of relativity, and he even said this regarding time. If you're a young man, and you're sitting on a park bench next to a pretty young lady, and you're sitting there an hour, that hour's going to go by like a minute. If, on the other hand, you're that same young man, and you're instead sitting on a hot stove... What an example, I know, but Einstein said it had to be good, right? If you sit there for a minute, that minute is going to seem like an hour. And whether the next four weeks go by fast or go by slowly, we are called as Christians to prepare in the weeks to come for the two comings of our Lord. And in that first coming, that first advent of the Lord, in the weeks to come, we remember how God was faithful to that very first promise of a Savior, that promise he made to Adam and Eve in the garden, that promise he made to you and I at the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And God was good on that promise. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, there's over 300 specific messianic prophecies and references to how God is going to fulfill that promise. And he follows through on it perfectly over 2,000 years ago in that first coming of our Lord and his subsequent life and ministry and suffering and death and resurrection. And during Advent, we don't just remember that the Lord came and we prepare for that again. We also remember his continuing presence in our lives today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us. Jesus lives in our hearts, in our homes, in our families, and in our churches. Jesus just wasn't on this earth for 30-plus some years and then left and withdrew his presence. His presence continues with us to this day. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we experience that daily in our lives. And as Paul writes in our one of our lessons today from Romans thirteen 12. we're called to put on the armor of light put on the armor of the love of Christ as we live out our lives of service to him knowing that Christ is with us Christ is in us during those good times those mountaintop times also during those valleys and those times of struggle and even this time of the year I love Christmas I love the Christmas season and probably many of us do And the weeks leading up to Christmas and the week of Christmas is supposed to be the happiest time of the year. And there are many joys, great anticipation, many blessings, as we talked with the kids about. But there are years where we're just not feeling it, perhaps. It can be very depressing at times. We can struggle. If it's supposed to be the happiest time of the year, and in the weeks to come, maybe we aren't always going to feel that. Maybe it will be the first Christmas this year since a very dear loved one has left this world. Maybe it's been four or five Christmases since one of our parents were called home to be with the Lord. And we're told by our friends, oh, it gets easier every year, but it doesn't seem to get easier. Or it may be the first Christmas since the divorce is finalized. Or maybe the second Christmas or the third Christmas in a row where we're unemployed or underemployed. But part of Advent is realizing the Lord's continued presence in our lives. That God is faithful to his promise. And Christ is in us and Christ is with us through the good times and the bad times. And yes, the world clock, time does march on. And I think probably for most of us, the next four weeks are going to go by pretty quickly. And as we prepare spiritually to celebrate that first coming of our Lord, God incarnate, and as we do our commercial, worldly, secular preparation for Christmas... It's easy to lose focus and attention. What Christ calls us to clearly focus on today in our gospel reading, to also be aware and be prepared and live expectantly for when he comes again. Our gospel reading today from Matthew 24, beginning with verse 36. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, Marrying and giving in marriage, um, as up to the day um, they entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, He would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Are we ready? Are we ready personally? How about others that we know? Are they prepared for when the Lord will come, whenever that will be? Because if someone does not have the love of Jesus in their heart, if they have not received the Lord, if they have not accepted him as Lord and Savior, then they're not ready and they're not prepared. And we don't say that to be harsh. We don't say that to scare people. We say it out of love because we desire all to be saved. We desire all to be prepared when Jesus comes again. And time certainly does fly, doesn't it? As I was thinking and praying over the the message for this week, I just I couldn't help but think it was a year ago today, November thirtieth. I had the opportunity to preach my first sermon with you as as one of your pastors. I was coming on board uh, the ministry team here at St. Michael Lutheran, and I truly thank God every day for His leading and the humble privilege it is to be in ministry in partnership with such a loving, uh, spirit driven, committed to the Word group of brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a tremendous blessing, and the year has gone by fast. Well, with the exception maybe of the week of January 7th to 10th, the water pipes burst. But it has really gone by fast. Well, there's the week of February 14th when the, the, the roof caved in my office. But other than that, the other 50 weeks have really gone by very fast. And in that first sermon, it was an Advent sermon, it was an introductory sermon about myself. I made a quick passing reference to something I want to talk a little bit more about because I think it's spot on for today. I mentioned one of my pastor, fellow pastor friends in ministry that has a rather pithy ministry mantra, sort of a catchy slogan, and it's this, um, time is short and hell is hot. Now it gets your attention, and it's true, it's spot on, like I said last service, it's not something if you're on a first date with somebody and you're sitting across the table with them at TGIF Friday, if you say, hey, time is short, hell is hot, you're not going to get a second date. It's not something you walk into your first company picnic or Christmas party and announce, but it's still true. Time is short. The world clock is ticking. And just as the Lord came the first time, he'll come again as promised. And hell is a reality. And for those of us that know the Lord and are prepared, it's not a day of fear. It's a day of anticipation. It's a day of salvation. But for those who aren't prepared, who don't know the Lord, that's a different story. Hence the sense of urgency in our gospel reading for today because the world clock is ticking. A school superintendent at the end of one school year was getting increasingly frustrated as he visited classrooms, especially elementary classrooms throughout his district. He found students increasingly not prepared, not ready to learn. Desks were a mess, book bags overflowing, kids not taking care of their iPads and their textbooks. And he thought, well, maybe I'm a little old school, but I still think there's a correlation between a student being expectant and ready to learn each day and then with achievement. So he said, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try and experiment this next school year. So he picked one of his elementary schools at random and one of the fourth grade classrooms at random. And he walked in on Friday afternoon of that first week of school with the principal. And he introduced himself to the fourth graders as the superintendent. And he said, your teacher and your principal and I really care about you guys. We want you to get the most out of your learning this year. We want you to be prepared for fifth grade. We want you to be ready for life outside the walls of these elementary schools. But he says, look at five days into school and your desks are an absolute disaster. Do you keep your bedrooms like that at home? They probably said yes. (laughs) But anyway, he saw the backpacks and he saw the desks and the general work area in disarray. And he said, I'm going to tell you this. I want you every day to prepare because I'm going to come back a second day and I want you to be expected and ready and organized to learn so you're open to everything that you can be taught. And I'm not going to tell you the day. I'm not going to tell you the hour. Not even your teacher, not even your principal will know the day or hour I return. But I promise I'll come back. And when I do, anybody that's prepared, anybody that's ready, I'm going to give you one of these. He pulled out of his suit jacket a $100 bill. Ooh, the students like that Ben Franklin. They were excited. So the superintendent left. The desk lids fly open and immediately start straightening the books. Rotten bananas get thrown out. I don't need this ho-ho. And they're going to all kinds of work to get organized and ready. Second week of school comes. There's 100% compliance every single day. Every student's ready and prepared. Superintendent doesn't come back that next week. The third week of school. Some of the students, some of the days are are getting ready, being prepared, expecting that he will return to be ready. But others are making comments like, do you really think he's going to come back? He probably just said that to trick us like our mom and dad do sometimes to clean our room, just to get it cleaned one time really good. He'll probably let us know when he comes back. By the fourth week, no one any longer was learning and and being in a state of expectation for his return, except one little girl, Jill. Every day, despite getting some kidding and ribbing, like, you really don't believe that promise? You're wasting your time? You really think he's coming back? She faithfully prepared, expecting that he would return. Fast forward to the first Friday in May. Knock on the door at 2.30, in comes the superintendent. Boom, the desk lids fly open, and the students are madly scrambling And the superintendent says in that deep superintendent kind of voice, Stop. Enough. It's time. So he asked the students to stand up by their desk. And one by one, he goes by for inspection. And one by one, he asked the students to sit down. One by one, they were not expected, not ready. Except he came upon the little girl, Jill. And he said, I could see where you really trusted in my promise. You believed that I was coming back and you prepared. So he called her up in front of the classroom, gave her a $100 bill. Now that's not a perfect illustration for today's gospel lesson, but it's pretty close. Because the key word coming out of this illustration uh, of the superintendent and the fourth graders is ready. I think the key word Jesus is expressing in our gospel lesson for today is ready, to be ready. In this Advent season, we as Christians are called to be ready, called to be prepared. Amidst the hustle and the bustle and the time crunch and the commercialization that Christmas brings every year, to prepare in our hearts again for the real reason for this season, and what the first coming of the Lord, the incarnation of Jesus, is all about, but also to live expectantly, for when he comes again, Matthew 24, Jesus says, so you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Well, how do we get ready? The second coming will happen. We don't know when. And whether it is imminent, whether it will be soon, whether it's in our lifetime, or whether it's years beyond our lifetime, Jesus calls us to be ready, like the students in the story were called to do, to have their spiritual desks, or have our spiritual desks, our spiritual hearts ready, to daily, to be in God's word, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, to grow in our knowledge and our understanding and application of his word. And by being in that, we fall deeper and deeper in love with the babe of Bethlehem, to experience the Lord's love and presence deeper in our lives, to each day go to him, knowing what we've done wrong, when we miss the mark, and confess to him those sins and to receive daily his mercy and his grace and his love and his forgiveness. St Paul writes a lot in the New Testament about living expectantly for when Jesus does come again whenever it is. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5:17 great words of advice to pray continually, to pray always, to pray expectantly. And as Jesus says in the letter to um, The Church of Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 311, as recorded by John, words he speaks to us today. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Live expectantly because I am coming again. And through our daily repentance, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. We can't make ourselves right with God. We're in need of his grace. We're in need of what Jesus did for us on the cross And God, in that first coming, in that first advent, was good to his promise. And the plan of salvation was fulfilled in that first coming of Jesus over 2,000 years ago. And his life, and his ministry, and his suffering, and his death, and his resurrection. And we are saved. We are made clean through Christ's sacrifice. Those who know him. And he will come again, praise God, to take us home someday. And we're not only to be concerned about whether we're ready but whether others are ready. Because if others don't know the Lord, if they don't have that relationship with Jesus, they can't be prepared. They can't be ready for when Jesus comes again. And we desire by the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody would be prepared and ready. Another way of, of putting it, um, you know, for example, when I would go to Meyer, and I run into a lot of you guys at Myers. I can see the faces out there. I mean, we could have a regular church meeting there, I think. And Kroger, too, to be fair, other stores. Yeah, I need to get a life. I'm mean, Myers too often. I was even there Thanksgiving morning. I hate to admit this first time. I was there at 6 a.m. for a doorbuster. And I saw some of you there, but I'm not going to call you out on that, okay? I'm not going to call you out. Our secret, our secret is safe. I should have slept in that day. But anyway... Um, but when we're at Mire at any given time, there's probably a hundred or more people in that store that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Pick the store you want. Let alone in our community, if we draw a radius out going several miles any direction from St. Michael Lutheran into Canton, into Livonia, uh, Plymouth, Belleville, tens of thousands of people within miles of this church this day that don't know Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life let alone the millions of people in our country, whether they're here legally or illegally, if Jesus came tonight, would not be prepared. Let alone the billions, yes, the billions of people on our planet that don't confess Jesus as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We're called to a personal faith relationship with Jesus. It's personal, right? Your faith, my faith can't save someone else. Someone else's faith can't save us. So it's a personal faith Yes, but a private faith, no. A faith that is only concerned about us and others and people we know. No, our Lord calls us to be concerned about all who don't know him and his love and his forgiveness is there at times that we forget that. Because neither Christ's first coming nor his second coming, neither were meant to be secretive or exclusive. It was 1987, uh, the March Madness, uh, NCAA men's basketball finals and LSU was playing Indiana and I remember this game I was living in Indiana at the time and I don't remember if it was sweet 16 or final four but it was getting down there and LSU was up by eight points over the Indiana Hoosiers with two minutes to go It looked like the Hoosiers were done for But then LSU, with that two minutes, started to let up. They started to change the focus of the game a little bit. Now, I even remember the TV announcer saying at the time, there's too much time left in the game. Indiana's too good of a team. If they start watching the clock and just want to let the game run out, they're going to be in trouble. And that's what they did. Indiana got back in the game with a few seconds left. They got the ball back down by a point. After the timeout, they put the ball up toward the bucket at the buzzer, made the point, miraculous one-point comeback over LSU. Indiana went on to win the NCAA championship that year. Makes a Hoosier proud. But anyway, while Jesus in our gospel reading for today clearly calls us to be aware of the signs of the time, to be ready, to be prepared like a spiritual uh, scout, he's calling us to have our, our head in the game, to stay in the game, to be prepared in living out our lives of service to him by the Holy Spirit to live a life that loves, that shares, that cares, to live out our life and our faith that gives and forgives, that reflects that unconditional love of God that he has first shown us, to be ready always to share his word and to share his love, and as Paul referenced in Romans 13, by the power of the Spirit, strive to live out that great commandment, to love our Lord with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and our neighbors as ourselves, and to not be clock watchers, to not be content to let the game just run out here on earth because there's too much mission work, too much... be done still on this planet too many people to get ready jesus calls us to be his hands and feet to those family member and friends who don't know jesus i have friends that don't know the lord i have family members that don't know the lord many of you may be in the same boat we may have customers and co-workers and clients and neighbors that don't know jesus is the only way if you're a student you may have classmates in school friends in clubs fellow teammates They don't know about Jesus. They don't have a relationship with the Lord, let alone the strangers that I believe God puts in our paths every single day that he desires us to share his word and his love with. We desire that all would would be saved, that all would be ready. But if somebody doesn't know the reason for this season, if somebody doesn't know about the first coming of the Lord, they can't know about the second and be prepared. And we desire for all by the power of the Holy Spirit to come to know Jesus. To be connected to that one true living God. Because now more than ever, it's the time for everybody to know Jesus. As we prepare in the weeks to come for Christmas, these weeks of Advent. As we struggle to get our shopping done and our wrapping done and our baking and our planning for time off work and time off school. And maybe getting a vacation in and seeing family. and Those are all good things. They're blessings from the Lord. Let us by the power of his spirit continue to focus on this season what it means to have a faith relationship with our Lord, what the first coming of Jesus is all about, and to live expectantly for his second coming, ready to share that love with all that we come into contact with. Are we ready? It's time. The clock is ticking. In the name of Jesus, amen.